Welcome to InCheck with Fintech. Today on the show, we have President and CEO of ROI Solutions, Mr. Peter Krauss. Peter, thanks for being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate the invite. Peter, I want to get right into it and talk a bit about your background because we're going to spend most of this time talking about ROI, uh, the company you've, about two years ago, become the CEO of. But before then, I'd like our audience to get the kind of potted plant uh, resume uh, of yourself, um, what you've done in the last 10 plus years in the world of payments and cards. Do you mind uh, giving us a quick intro? No, I appreciate it. I'm happy to do it. So I've, uh, I'm clearly a glutton for punishment. I've, I've been in the card space for quite a long time, um, it, more than 10 years. Uh, in, in my prior life before ROI, uh, very proud of the fact that I built the largest uh, gift loyalty uh, card company. Uh, and uh, we focus primarily, obviously, on, on sort of the retail, larger, uh, you know, what the industry obviously refers to as uh, closed loop, uh, you know, segment of the business. Uh, had always had a significant interest in uh, the open loop or, you know, financial card space. Uh, in my previous business, we had looked at entering the space several times by way of, uh, you know, most likely acquisition or something of that nature. But um, I, I'm a self-proclaimed card geek. Uh, I, I uh, everything about the card technology and also the processing technologies that really back the physical card up, uh, which I think have a relevance to our conversation here today. Right as we look forward as well, mm -hmm. um, you know, really understanding that ecosystem is something I've really worked hard at through my career, uh, and really building businesses that provide. Uh, not just a tangible product, but just a value-added solution uh, to the end user, whomever that end user may be, right? Whether it's a retailer, a retail consumer, uh, or in the case of you know the fintech space, it be a financial institution or or their end user customer. So, um, ROI was a company that was on my radar for many many years. Uh, in all candor, we almost acquired the business uh, at my prior business. Uh, so I, I'd always I kept a keen eye on it and was always very impressed with the platform and the technology uh, and um, was excited to join the organization, as you said, nearly two years ago. Yeah, fantastic. Um, what made you make that jump? You say you had your eye on ROI. Yeah. Uh, Somebody in no, the no pun intended. Apologies. To avoid, but you were yeah. working for was it Plastic Card Locktech International? Um, correct. Yeah, we we refer to it as PLI, but that is correct. So at PLI for ten plus good years, all the way yeah. to CEO of that company. Um, and why did you choose ROI in particular? I imagine you had a, a number of options in this you know part of of the world of payments open to you. What, what made you go for ROI? Well, I appreciate that question. So it's really answer the, at the heart of that question. So we, we built the company uh, to, to, again, the largest in the, in the industry, in the space. Uh, we successfully transitioned and sold the business to private equity. Um, I stuck around for a little bit through the transition and, and, and then opted to exit, felt I had accomplished and done what I can do, wanted and needed to do there. Um, and, and candidly was up for some new challenges. Um, uh, I was approached candidly by, uh, you know, somebody who was recruiting for the CEO role for ROI. Uh, having had some knowledge and past experience with the business, I was intrigued. Uh, so I, I jumped in head first and, uh, and here we are. But uh, you're right, there were quite a few options out there. I, I really made the conscious decision that I wanted to transition away from uh, sort of the quote unquote gift card space. 
uh, as I would commonly refer to it, and, and really dig into something new. Uh, and uh, an arrow, I fit that bill. So uh, timing was right, stars, moons, planets aligned, and uh, and here we are. Got it. Brilliant. So I think we understand the, the closed loop or gift card space, your, your former role at PLI. Just uh, define for us what exactly it is that ROI does. I'm happy to. So uh, we're very unique in the marketplace, uh, very unique in the sort of card ecosystem in general, where that uh, for years, for nearly 20, as a matter of fact, we have been known as the on-demand sort of card payment card provider, uh, you know, in an ecosystem and in a landscape where uh, most of our peers and competitors take, you know, six to eight weeks to do things, we think in the matter of hours and days, um, which has always been unique and has always been questioned as to how is that done, right? What's the secret sauce? How do you do in six days what it takes me six weeks to do? Um, and that's really what we've built our technology and our platform on. But um, at the end of the day, we deliver a complete end-to-end product and solution uh, for large, small, medium-sized financial institutions, banks, credit unions, uh, your fintech space, uh, who need to quickly and efficiently, is the key word, uh, get their cards and other related products into the hands of consumers or end users. Uh, we do everything from prepaid cards, traditional credit cards, uh, to, and, and this was very relevant in the past year, we do a significant number of uh, the unemployment uh, and other what I would refer to as state aid cards. Uh, and, and our platform and our ability to do things as quickly as we do uh, was really put to the test last year. Uh, with COVID. Uh, and that's something we were excited to really step up to the plate. Not not excited for the circumstances by any means, uh, but excited that we were able to step up to the plate and really lend value in that in that area. Got it. So, so banks, FIs, even government can rely on you to produce um, a whole spectrum of, of cards and, and card technology. And you'd say one of your key USPs are you're able to do so very quickly and efficiently without revealing too much of the secret source, how do you move so quickly? How can you produce these tailor-made cards so, uh, so quickly? Well, you know, it's not a secret. We rely very heavily on digital technology in terms of digital print technology, which, you know, candidly, I've been in the print space for now nearly 20 years in one form or another. And, you know, digital has many strengths. It does have some weaknesses. Uh, but in our particular space and for our particular application, it is proven to be the best and most reliable way uh, to get everything from one card to 100,000 cards uh, produced and then the hands of the end user. Uh, you know, we have peers and competitors in the space that obviously also utilize digital technology, uh, but our secret sauce in all candor is our data management. Uh, it's the way we personalize uh, and encode the product, which I appreciate you understanding. I can't really disclose mm-hmm. the hows and the whys of that per se. Um, but that's, that's really where the, the rubber meets the road, if you will, and the secret sauce of what we do is that management of a data file from a client, how it winds up on a card, how that card winds up in an envelope with all the appropriate inserts and attachments, et cetera, and then how that envelope leaves our building and winds up in the hands of the end user, uh, again, whomever that might be. Um, we've streamlined that process. We've created uh, efficient, quick, uh, and, and really without waste sort of process, whereas the traditional card process relies on, you know, printing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of cards, committing inventory to the shelf, 
pulling those card shells or card bodies off the shelf, right? Now encoding and or personalizing them, uh, packaging them and sending them off. Um, well, in this ever-changing world, right, especially now, uh, inventory very quickly becomes obsolete. Terms and conditions on the backs of cards change more frequently than anybody would like, uh, especially depending on the country and or the state, you know, within here, here in the US. Um, and that inventory quickly becomes obsolete. Translation winds up in the trash. Uh, our, our ecosystem, our, our supply chain solution allows for uh, all the companies you mentioned, right? Again, whether it be an FI, Contact, traditional bank, credit union, et cetera, uh, to really dynamically uh, manage their card program uh, and offer flexibility and creativity and customization options to their customer uh, without the management of inventory, without the management of multiple SKUs, right? Which card is the client going to pick? Which design are they going to like better? Uh, are they going to want a uh, regular mag card? Are we contact? Are we contactless? Right? Are we dual interface? You know, and then managing all that inventory and all those varieties of inventories is incredibly expensive, incredibly cumbersome, uh, and really incredibly inefficient for these clients. And that's what we do differently. And that's that's really been our claim to fame for, as I said, nearly 20 years. Berlin, we're here and ready for your hiring needs. After some short time considering it, we've decided to set up business in Germany, meaning we can be closer to clients and allow room for new business. We're set up and ready to help find your ideal candidates, help build teams, and offer up media services. People create networks. Fantastic. Um, without meaning to sound crass, I can imagine last year did present some, some novel opportunities for your company. I think you mentioned one where you're able to work with the government to get out um, cards to assist in, in welfare programs. There's also a drive towards having less heavy reliance on, on physical cash that I imagine your company is, is well-placed to uh, service that, that growing demand. Tell us about how 2020 went for your company and some of the ways in which you were able to, to make it work. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's crass at all. I mean, it's the reality of what we all faced last year, right? And and I'm very proud that in, in spite of this global pandemic, ROI had its best year ever. Great. Uh, we had a record year in terms of revenue. We had a record year in terms of overall uh, efficiency and performance. Uh, again, I really think it put our solution to the test and we passed the test um, with, with flying colors, if I may be so bold. Um, you know, I could give you a couple of anecdotal examples, but they're real examples of a, a very large bank, one of the largest in the world. Um, someone we had been courting for some time um, needed to get uh, a significant volume, about three and a half million unemployment cards into the market very quickly uh, for all the reasons we know and unfortunate reasons we understand. And they went to all their usual suspects right in the marketplace and Literally everyone they went to quoted them six to eight weeks to implement onboard the program and start shipping card one. Uh, no exaggeration, we shipped all 3.5 million cards in under 10 days. So from, from onboard and implementation of the program to card production to cards in the field, uh, they had never seen anything so quick, right? So after years of courting this particular financial institution, uh, and telling them all this, right? You could tell you could tell clients this all till you're blue in the face. 
when they finally put you to the test and you pass that test the way we did, um, you know, that, that makes for celebration on all fronts, right? And that was uh, something we're exceptionally proud of and they were quite surprised by uh, in all candor. Um, beyond just that one instance, we, we had several like it throughout the course of the year where uh, volumes in certain segments had gone up. Look, obviously there were segments where volumes also had gone down. Uh, so there were, as I would say, puts and takes, if you will, throughout the year in various different segments. Um, but you said something important earlier, the card, the physical card, continues to be that, in, that critical important bridge between, you know, sort of cash and, and ability to pay through a variety of different means. Uh, and because of COVID, you're 100% right, we saw that leap or transition happen even more rapidly last year, where people were relying more heavily than ever before on that card. Uh, and, and, you know, from the safety of their home, order, whether it be ordering food uh, or, or just ordering whatever it was and having it being safely delivered to them, uh, not handling cash, as you mentioned earlier, became a big thing, um, right? It was a big thing here in the States where, you know, there were people who purposely were not taking cash at stores and retail establishments uh, and signs were at the door, you know, cash not accepted or we don't have change. Uh, so the card became even critically more important in 2020. Uh, and I, I'm sure we're not alone in this, but many others in the card space did indeed benefit from that. Uh, but you got to be at the right place at the right time and you have to have the right solutions. And, and thankfully, we were in that position to do so. Indeed. Help us um, elaborate on that on that part of the equation. The, the US still has quite a heavy reliance on physical cash compared to some some European nations, at least. Um, yeah. I was reading a piece from you, I think it was in the Global Fintech series. You wrote a yeah. very, very nice piece or, or, or you deep dived on some of this. How can uh, ROIs, sorry, ROI solutions help, um, let's say, kind of alleviate some of those more cash dependent populations some people like to have cash they it's tried and tested they've always been used to it there are all sorts of preferences for it fine yep. Uh, yep. but there are now more than ever reasons to kind of speed up the move away from it um, for good reasons how is your company going to kind of partner with whatever institutions are relevant to to help make that happen I appreciate the question. So, uh, you know, what we saw last year, and I think is a leading edge example of this, an indicator of this, is the the prepaid, as we refer to it, segment, grew substantially, right? So, uh, people were using a prepaid Visa or Mastercard as a form of payment in replacement of cash. Um, you know, we got to face a reality. There's an entire generation of people who are, as you said, more comfortable with cash. Period. Tried and true. They know it's going to work. Uh, it's how they also manage their budget. It's too easy to just keep swipe, swipe, swiping a card, right? Um, so there are some people who say, okay, I got $200 in my pocket, and when I don't have any more in my pocket, I'm done, right? Uh, and it's almost a financial management tool in that regard. Uh, and they don't actually like the, the convenience of, of easy access to their money, so to speak. Um, so yeah, but that's one segment. Then you've got the people who are just used to or accustomed to using cash or some cash derivative. Uh, that are now looking for that bridge, again, as we said, to how do I access the cash that's in my account or other forms of payment, uh, all the digital payment platforms, right? I'm sure we can name them, right? Whether it be a Venmo or a PayPal or whatever. At the end of the day, the vast majority of people using even those solutions are transferring those balances to their bank account and then using their prepaid or debit card 
to actually manage transactions or spend that money. Uh, that's been proven over and over and over again. Um, and, and I've long said this, and not, not to go off on a tangent, so you know, feel free to reel me back in, Moses. Um, is I, I the digital payment solution, in my humble opinion, and it sounds self-serving coming from a card guy, is it was a solution looking for a problem. Um, there really wasn't a problem, and and there wasn't a need for a solution per se. Uh, consumer behavior wasn't driving this. This was tech companies trying to change consumer behavior, right? It was the other way around. And that's why the adoption rate, in my opinion, has been so slow and also so low. Now, in 2020, we definitely saw an increase in the adoption rate of digital payment platforms out of convenience and in some cases out of necessity, given what was happening, right, to, to all of us this past year. Um, but what's interesting. Uh, and the data backs this up, is that although there's a significant increase in digital payment, physical card programs are growing by same or in some cases more than the digital. And I think what that tells us is there are different use cases for the two solutions, right? They're not synonymous. They are not, they're not one and the same. Uh, and you could use a digital solution for one scenario Whereas you might still, as a preference, and the majority of the time, still lean on the physical card solution uh, to do most of your transacting, right? And that's what we're seeing. And, and the numbers and the volumes and the number of prepaid cards, for example, that we as a company produced last year, I think really bear that out, if that makes sense. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing, and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. Yeah. In, in that same, that same article, um, I think you mentioned the bullet point that really struck me. The number of businesses that stopped accepting cash entirely increased by 23% mm-hmm. last year or a part of last year. That's an amazing yeah. jump. Do you see that going as fast this year as well? Or do you think that was just a one-off acceleration due to COVID? Yeah, I, I think that was a bit of a, a turbo acceleration given COVID. I don't see that trend continuing at that rapid rate. Um, I think it'll resume back to probably some single digit uh, sort of rate uh, over time. Uh, that was that was an absolute reaction to just some retailers, like I said, throwing that sign up on the door saying not accepting cash. Yeah. Uh, so people had to quickly find an alternative. Um, yeah, so I, I don't see that quite happening as quick. You know, another trend we did certainly see, and it was predictable, uh, is there had been here in the States in particular, there's been a really slow transition to dual interface, right? To, you know, tap and go or contactless payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Europe and other parts of the world, you guys are way ahead of the curve, right? Um, compared to the States, but it's been really, really, really slow adoption rates here. Uh, COVID did accelerate that for sure, right? As people thought about, wait a minute, I can just tap that card and drive off or walk off versus touching that POS. Okay, now I'm interested. Now you've got my attention. Right. Technology has been here for years, Lewis. Right. Um, But it just didn't get any attention because, again, it was a solution trying to change consumer behavior versus 
the consumer saying, hey, it would be cool if we had this. Uh, but now due to COVID, people being far more sensitive to, again, touching the keypad, right, putting in their pin, et cetera, uh, there's a renowned, renewed, sorry, interest now in uh, contactless tap and go sort of payment solutions. Uh, so we have seen a transition. We've seen customers candidly skip straight from magnetic card solution straight now to dual interface. And when I say skip, they skip the EMV transition, mm-hmm. right? So when mag to EMV to then ultimately dual interface, uh, we've had clients that never transitioned to EMV who have now just made the leap straight to dual interface. Yep. And you guys can pay directly from your mobile phone with Apple Pay, can't you? All over the States. Uh, of course, yeah. Apple Pay, Google Pay. Look, the infrastructure surprisingly is not as robust nor as reliable here in the States. I I test it reasonably often. Uh, you know, we've, we've had this discussion as a group, you know, internally. Uh, and the number of times I can't get the POS or my phone or whatever the issue is to cooperate. And the number of times I just say, oh, I have the heck with it. And I pull out my card uh, is shockingly too often. Uh, and, and again, I think that's when you especially get, um, look, you know, leading edge, you know, sort of tech adopters, they're always going to be the tip of the spear. They're always going to jump in first. Uh, and that's who we see using these things quite frequently. I've always compared this also to, uh, you know, uh, digital boarding cards, right, for airline. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are some people who just refuse, right? I, I need to physically have that ticket in my hand because that's what gives me the comfort that I know, right? Because how many times have we got up there, it doesn't scan, they got to print you the ticket anyway, et cetera. Um, Yet there are tech people and early adopters that, no, I'm gonna have that boarding pass on my phone, on my watch, whatever. Uh, It's very similar in the payment space. Uh, And I think even worse in the payment space, and by worst, I mean people less willing to make that leap who, whether it be cash or whether it just be the convenience of pulling out whatever their card of choice is, it's gotten better, Lewis, but here in the States, there are still banks and card types that are not yet compatible with all those electronic or digital payment solutions. Um, I happen to bank with a smaller regional bank here in Southern Nevada. And up until about a month ago, uh, my card was not accepted on that very large, well-known electronic payment platform. Mm-hmm. Right, so what was I gonna do? I had no choice but to continue to use my physical card. Um, and it's 2021, yeah. right? So I think as those challenges continue, as the ecosystem continues to build out, again, I think we'll continue to see single digit sort of adoption rates. Yes, they have accelerated a bit due to COVID. I do believe that trend will continue, uh, but the vast majority of people are still comfortable opening their wallet, picking the card of choice for that particular purchase need or application and going from there. Uh, and I, I believe, look, I, again, not just because I'm a card guy, I don't want to be you know, misperceived. Uh, I just remain very bullish on the plastic card for many years to come uh, as there's no sign of consumer behavior, behavior changing so dramatically that it goes all digital all the time. Yeah. And, there's and, just no evidence of that. No, and even myself as a relatively older millennial who's perfectly comfortable using all these new digital methods, I've still got a wallet full of full of cards, you know, full of debit and credit cards that I just like having on me at all times. You know, uh, I don't no, feel, feel quite safe and normal leaving home without the old-fashioned wallet full of uh, full of plastic. It's just uh, it's just it's kind of hardwired. 
Well, it's you look, and I have, I have kids and, and, a, and, you know, a partner. And I said, look, here, here's my card. Go take care of that. Or here's my card. Go, go grab your ice cream. Right. Am I really going to hand them my phone and say, go buy your ice cream? <laughs> no, I mean, and again, so, so the use cases are distinctly different. And that's why I think there's room sort of in the ecosystem, if you will, for both. Uh, and I think that's precisely what we've seen. Again, as I said earlier, in spite of significant growth in digital payment platforms, uh, physical card programs are also growing. Yep. Um, you know, in my former life, there's a very large uh, Seattle-based beverage company uh, that was my one of my largest clients. Um, and it always struck me that they have one of the most popular apps in the app store used by, you know, nearly everybody, certainly here stateside. Uh, and yet their physical gift card program grew by double digits year over year in spite of similar growth and use of their digital app. Yeah, right. now, how is that possible? It's only possible because, again, they're distinctly different use cases. Yeah, indeed. And the two can coexist. And, and people just like receiving a physical gift card, right? It's uh, 100% correct. 100% correct. And and it was it was always what we needed to explain sometimes at nauseum uh, to people to understand, right? You know, the gift card in particular had been perceived at times as a sort of, you know, I don't want to say informal gift, but uh, impersonal at times, right? You know, oh, you couldn't think of what to get me, so you got me a gift card. Right, and it gets Nothing, even personal when, when you give them a digital gift card. We, we all- 100%, 100% right, that's exactly the point. I thought of you so last minute, here's an email, right? <laughs> You know, and, and that it, it just it didn't work. And, and all the efforts of all the companies and the company I just mentioned had a very robust online e-gifting uh, program and platform. You could do it straight from their app yeah. with all the ease and convenience in the world. And their use of that was less than one percent of one percent. Wow. It was insanely low to the point where they can, it, you know, every retail quarterly meeting they had, they considered just killing the program. Uh, yeah, because uh, how easy and how much better is it to walk up, have that physical card, hand it to your kid's teacher or to your friend or your colleague or whatever, uh, and everybody enjoys and prefers getting that physical card. Yes. Same thing in the prepaid space. You know, I could, I could, I could Venmo my daughter money. I could send my, my daughter digital funds many, many different ways. But, you know, if I want to really gift her, if I want to send her money and certainly of any significance, I'm going to send her a prepaid card. Go, here's $400, here's $500, here's whatever it is. You know, go use it for what you need. Yeah. Uh, and again, different applications, different use, use cases, and they can coexist. Indeed. You've really brought to life the, um, the distinctions there. <laughs> Never really thought about it. Um, but you've made it. When, yeah, no, no one really wants to receive a digital gift card. It's the, uh, the, the last minute speciality gift. But um Different use cases, indeed. Jumping around a little bit, you mentioned yeah. the um, scale with which you were able to um, get cards for that major bank last mm-hmm. year. Um, I think in ten days, did you say was it was it three million or four million in, in ten days? Uh, so you split the difference. It was three and a half million. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I imagine all these uh, all these plastic cards. They're uh, also a, a kind of a marketing tool. How can companies use um, plastic cards for uh, for marketing and a new customer acquisition? I love that question. I've always referred to plastic cards as the smallest, cheapest billboard you can buy. Uh, they are an extension of your brand. Uh, they are a significant branding sort of opportunity and marketing opportunity. 
Uh, and the way the card looks, the way the card feels, uh, the message the card, uh, you know, uh, provides or denotes, right, is is all part of the branding and marketing message. Uh, and and it, it cannot be achieved in the same way digitally. That has been proven. It does not have the same impact. Um, that little billboard in your hand uh, is a very, very, very powerful marketing piece. And, and, you know, taking from my past life, whether it be uh, a hotel key card, uh, which is an extension of that hotel's brand, right? That's a card, same size as a credit card, uh, whether it's a gift card or in the case of ROI, whether it's a credit debit or prepaid or other sort of payment card that we produce, uh, such, such an underestimated by many marketing and branding opportunity. Yeah, indeed. I don't know um, if there are many instances of this in the US, but a lot of the digital banks, the, the, the so-called NEO or challenger banks over here, they're now offering kind of metallic cards or transparent cards, you know, neon pink cards. Yeah. They're, they're really going for it. I think they've certainly cottoned on to this as a little mini billboard. Um, and it, it sounds like you're, uh, you're going in that direction or conceiving of it like that as well. Uh, well yeah, absolutely right. And that's the thing. And the, from a marketing standpoint, allowing people to personalize the card uh, pick a card design that speaks to them. Uh, when you are, like you said, you have a wallet full of cards. Every one of those cards is competing for your attention, right? So if you have a card that you customize or is neater or cooler, uh, or that you take some pride in pulling out of your wallet and slapping down on the register or table or the whatever, right? Which card is going to get pulled out of your wallet more frequently? Yeah. And for a card issuer, that's the game. How do I get this consumer to use my card more frequently than any other card? How do I generate the transaction fees, right? How do I, how do I get the use from the consumer of my card, of my platform, of my product? That card, if it's a card that you're, like I said, proud of, uh, the elite cards, your black cards, your metal cards, uh, and, and even just a plastic card that has maybe the picture of your kids or your dog on it, yeah. uh, or that you've customized or personalized in some way, uh, that's what our platform at RI Solutions allows for, uh, for customization, for personalization, and for true dynamic management of a card program. So instead of trying to put a bunch of cards on the shelf, as I mentioned earlier, and saying, well, our consumer is going to choose the red one or the pink one or the blue one, and you guessing and trying to put the right amount of inventory on the shelf, your consumer can decide between the pink, the blue, or the red, or the whatever one dynamically, and we produce it on demand. Right, so you're not managing SKU, you're not managing inventory, you're not trying to guess what your consumer is going to want. You're putting that power of choice in your consumer's hands, and then we manage the rest. Uh, and again, that card that I personalize, I customize, has that picture, like I said, of my dog or my kids on it. Uh, that's the one I'm going to probably go to my wallet to the most. And again, that's what these financial institutions, et cetera, are looking for. Uh, and being able to dynamically manage that and work creatively with your client base is a huge opportunity and a huge, you know, upswing uh, for these for these financial institutions and other, you know, issuers. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I think there are many, many good years still to uh, still to go for the uh, for the good old fashioned plastic card. It's not going anywhere, and there are many new use cases 
Um, so I'm glad there are still solid businesses doing new things in this market. Why don't you um, sketch out 2021 for us briefly, Peter? What are some of the big opportunities that you're looking to lead the company toward? Well, I appreciate that. We, um, for some, in some instances, it's going to be more of the same. We uh, we created quite a platform for ourselves last year uh, with many new clients onboarded. We onboarded uh, more new programs last year than in any year prior. Um, so implementing, executing those programs, uh, you know, efficiently into the satisfaction of our clients is obviously a major focus for us in 2021. Um, we do believe 2021 will represent some challenges. Um, there's a lingering sort of COVID effect where uh, many of our clients were projecting softer volumes this year, uh, just due to sort of this hangover uh, from, from last year with some COVID-related downturn in certain segments. Um, I think, frankly feel people are just being a bit conservative, and I think there's going to be uh, improvement over some of those projections. Um, you know, we're still projecting a growth year as a business. We think there's still significant upside and opportunity. Um, you know, we still see continuing growth trend in uh, the state sort of welfare related products, as you mentioned earlier, not just unemployment, but we also do cards that help uh, support programs related to child support and spousal payments and things of that nature. Uh, and uh, we've seen a trend up in those areas for sure. Um, again, for us, there'll be significant opportunity and upside as the transition to dual interface continues. Uh, and that has increased at a far more rapid rate, as we mentioned earlier, due to COVID. Um, so the outlook for us is good for 2021. Um, I think it's gonna be hit or miss for other people in the industry, right? Depending on which particular uh, vertical market they might be serving. Uh, I think, as I said earlier, there'll be some puts and takes uh, in a variety of different segments. But uh, for us at ROI, the outlook is good. Um, if, if our platform proved anything in 2020 is that flexibility is key. Uh, and um, our clients are looking to leverage that even more so in 2021. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's allowed us to onboard more new clients last year than any year prior, uh, who really recognize the benefit now more than ever of having the flexibility and efficiency of our on-demand programs and what we offer. And if you'll indulge me a moment, it's important I'd like to note that we've transitioned also our model where we're not just the on-demand, what we call quick turn sort of short run, card manufacturer anymore. Uh, we're also doing much larger volumes now. Uh, we've really been able to leverage our platform and our manufacturing capabilities. Uh, you know, and those clients looking for larger volumes uh, have been able to rely on us. Uh, and again, the, the one bank I mentioned earlier and do so in days versus weeks, right? Uh, and that sort of flexibility uh, really, really registered with a lot of people last year. And we see that trend continuing in 2021 and beyond. Fantastic. Peter, we have to round it up. Um, you've been a great guest, really broad ranging conversation there. How can people get in touch with yourself or with your company? Uh, well, they could uh, certainly visit our website, which is ROISolutions.com. Uh, we're based here in, uh, in Las Vegas, Anderson, Nevada. Uh, we'd be happy to uh, obviously answer anyone's questions and help in any way. Uh, our sales team and uh, account management teams are all ready to answer any questions you might have. Uh, I would certainly say, uh, again, ROISolutions.com would be the best first place to start. Um, and uh, we certainly welcome any inquiries and any way in which we can help uh, your listeners. And uh, really appreciated the chat, Lewis. It was enjoyable. Thank you, Peter. Mr. Peter Krause, CEO of ROI Solutions. Peter, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. 
Thanks for listening, and we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from a partner, Free a Girl, who are dedicated to fighting child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Evelyn, CEO and founder of Free a Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you. Thank you.